Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. Today is, <clears throat> excuse me, 27 November, and this is episode 72. Uh, I got through Thanksgiving weekend. Got to go back to work tomorrow, <clears throat> like everybody else, I suppose. So I was looking through the stories over the weekend. Not a lot going on. Well, there's always something going on, but I found one, two, three, four, five stories. All of them international stories. One from Czech Republic, two from Sweden, one from France, and then one from Indonesia, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we'll get started right away with the one from Czech Republic. This is from Breaking Defense, Tim Martin. Uh, date is 22 November. And the title is, <clears throat> excuse me, Czech Army Leader Calls for the Biggest Rearmament of the Army in the Country's History. And I think if there's any theme in all these stories, it's that <clears throat> the invasion of Russia into Ukraine has kind of woken up a lot of these European countries. Not European, a lot of countries. I won't just say European. Um and they're starting to spend some money on defense. You see it all the time. We did a story about Australia increasing their defense. Um, <clears throat> and that's what these stories are. And just an example, we'll start off with Czech Republic. So I just read you the headline. And then it says Major General Karel Reka, Chief of General Staff of the Czech Republic, uh, Re Republic Army, said Russia's invasion of Ukraine has showed the criticality of urgent modernization starting with five priorities, <clears throat> excuse me, key priorities. And I like it when these world leaders or defense leaders give priorities because it makes it easier to follow. Uh, let's see. Like I said, this is from 22 November during a remarkable speech in Prague today. Uh, the Czech Republic's most senior army leader demanded as absolute necess necessity that the service embarks on the biggest rearmament ever. So I'm not trying to sold anyone's intelligence, but <clears throat> just to remind everybody where Czech Republic is, it's obviously in Europe, and it shares a border to the west with Germany, and to the northeast with Poland, and then toward the southeast with Slovakia, and to the due south is Austria, and the capital is Prague. So that's kind of the neighborhood that they're in. They're one, two countries away from Ukraine. You got to go through Slovakia, and then you're in Ukraine, or you go through Poland, <clears throat> and you're in Ukraine. So that's why, you know, the neighborhood they're in, they're a little concerned. So I'll continue on. So uh, Major uh, Chief of General Staff, Major General Reka, which we talked about, uh, Sirius said that serious challenges await us, and he reflected on the crisis of Ukraine. <clears throat> the biggest rearmament of the Army in the country's history is no longer a wish, but an absolute necessity, he said. Russia's actions have left the Czech Army with many urgent tasks that can no longer be postponed. He said before unveiling a five-point plan covering long-term priorities. And here they are. Uh, <clears throat> the plan of, in, involves a defense review, which RECA confirmed is already underway, a vision for Army future warfare, 
which I assume is number two. Number three, equipment modernization projects being accelerated, notably command, notably command and control, intelligence, fires, and force protection. I think that's number three. So number four, changes to the Army's current personnel plan described as unsustainable. And number five, a debate about future security priorities of the Czech Republic more generally. <clears throat> so he's doing a defense review. This is me now talking. A vision for Army future warfare and equipment modernization projects being accelerated. So just like the way the U.S. Army does it, you got to start with a vision, right? A concept. How are we going to fight not today, but tomorrow and 10 years, 15 years in the future? So you start with your concept. And then once you've got your concept of how you think you want to fight, based on threats, whatever, that's when you start writing your requirements for the equipment. That's when you find your gaps and where you are today and where you want to be in 10, 15 years or whatever timeline you're using. And then that's when you start writing your requirements for equipment, and that's kind of what drives your modernization. Concept, requirement, and then modernization. <clears throat> that's just me talking. All right, now back to the article. Uh, if we're already deciding today on acquisition of weapon platforms for the next 40 years, it is absolutely necessary to have a good idea of how we will fight. That's true. Rekka said, according to a transcript to, from the speech posted on the Army's website, that's why I set up my future warfare council with a number of task forces. Uh, we are working on it intensively, and I expect the final output by the middle of next year. Remarking on the state of procurement, uh, he said that the country too often plays catch-up on acquiring equipment that was needed much sooner, including tanks, helicopters, logistics vehicles, and guns. Uh, the article continues. In July, Prague announced that it started negotiations for CV-90 infantry fighting vehicles and the F-35 fifth-generation fighter jets with the Swedish and the United States governments, respectively. CV-9, the CV-90 partnership with Sweden follows a prolonged effort to acquire over 200 new IFVs which saw Prague cancel a prior tender after two of the three industry bidders removed their proposals. So they want 200 IFVs, infantry fighting vehicles. Of course, everybody knows that. Uh, up to 24 F-35s are due to be ordered as a replacement for the Saab uh, JAS-39 Gripens. Uh, the article continues, we, we soldiers must do every everything we can to take advantage of the current societal will to invest in defense. But at the same time, we must strictly prioritize and be brutally efficient. Very true. The truth is that even now, despite the huge increase in the budget, we will not have enough resources for all ideal solutions to all problems. And he kind of gets into the defense budget here. The author, Prague's defense budget is set to increase by a quarter over the, F over the 2022 figure next year with plans to move to a target of 2% GDP thereafter, said uh, the Czech Republic Minister of Defense. This, her name is Jana, man, it, it's in Czech Republic. I can't say her last name. Anyway, I'm going to call her the Minister of Defense. So the Minister of Defense uh, vowed that her department will better support Czech Republic's domestic defense industry and committed efforts of Czech Armed Forces in leading NATO's battle group in Slovakia. Uh, the alliance established four additional multi multinational battle groups in Bulgaria, Hungary, Romania, and Slovakia after the Russian invasion of Ukraine as a way to strengthen eastern flank deterrence. The alliance, I assume, is NATO, of course. So that's it.
that's the uh, first story. Good story. I talked about CV-90s in there. And I looked up some stuff on the CV-90. In case you didn't know about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Combat Vehicle 90. It's a family of Swedish... Tra- this, first of all, this is from Wikipedia. Don't get too mad. It's family of Swedish track vehicles. Designed by Sweden's Defense Material Administration. Haglunds and Bofors during the mid to mid 1980s and the 90s. I think BAE is involved in it now uh, under BAE Systems Haglunds AB. I think that's still Swedish. Went to the BAE site. <clears throat> so the BAE new CV90 MKIV. Uh, BAE Systems introduced the next phase of development of the CV90 infantry fighting vehicle. It's the fifth generation of the company's combat-proven IFE. It's got a lot of variants of this sucker. Uh, let's see. The CV-90 IFE developed by BAE Systems Swedish Business BAE Systems Haglunds is a modern, adaptable, and combat-proven vehicle with 1,280 vehicles and 15th variants sold to seven nations, including four NATO allies. The most recent generation of the CV-90 under delivery for the Norwegian Army it's one of the most modern IFEs in production in the world. And it gives a little bit about it. Key features of the CV-90 Mark IV. It has a D-series of turrets, which will feature mod- modular design offering a 30 or a 40 millimeter, a 35-50 millimeter, and a 120 millimeter main gun, and weapon pods for integrated anti-tank guided missiles and machine guns. Let's see what else it says. Uh, CV-90 provides unrivaled performance and unique advantages in the 20 to 37 ton class. And that's pretty much it. The rest of it is kind of a commercial. Some of the variants, I'm going back to the Wikipedia now. Some of the variants, there's a self-propelled anti-aircraft gun. Uh, there's a mortar variant. There's a Ford command vehicle variant. There's a Ford observation variant for directing artillery and mortar fire, an FO variant. Let's see. There's, of course, the infantry carrier, which I think holds eight soldiers. Uh, let's see. Is that enough for the CV-90? Anyway, CV-90, made by Sweden, probably going to Czech Republic at some time. Okay, I'll pause right there. Okay, since we're talking about defense spending, this next um, <clears throat> article is about defense spending, and uh, it's about Sweden. We just kind of talked about the Swedish CV-90. This one is from 22 November, Gerald O'Dwyer, uh, Defense News. Sweden boosts defense spending, NATO goal in mind. Uh, let's see, from Helsinki. Do I need to tell you where Sweden is? Probably not. Everybody knows where Sweden is. But if you forgot, and I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence here, Sweden is shares a border with Norway. Norway's on their east, and Finland's on their west. And they're on the Baltic Sea, and I think they share maybe a small border with Denmark. So they're way up there, way up north. And uh, I think they're going to be part of NATO very soon, along with Finland. Of course, we know NATO, uh, Norway is already part of NATO, so Finland and Sweden are rejoining soon. So now this is a story about Sweden and their defense. So Sweden's newly elected center-right government has prioritized spending on defense strengthening measures in this draft budget bill for 2023. 
eyeing to edge the country closer to NATO's target quota. Uh, Sweden, along with fellow unaligned Nordic nation Finland, is currently awaiting unanimous consent from NATO members to join the alliance, a process that could reach its conclusion in 2023, despite reservations about their applications being expressed by Hungary and Turkey. So they have this total defense focus. So the total defense focus and Swedish government's defense budgetary policy aims to raise military spending to 2% of gross domestic product by 2026. The defense budget is on course to grow by $800 million in 2023, backed by higher capital investments to strengthen cyber defense, signals intelligence, defense preparedness, and the expanded intake of military personnel. The government's plan is that Sweden's defense capability will gradually be expanded on a year-on-year going forward said Pal Johnson, moderate, Sweden's newly appointed defense minister. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the 2023 defense budget will give Swedish Defense Forces, SDF, Cyber Defense Unit, a significant lift in capital spending to reinforce its capability to defend against hybrid warfare threats. These include cyber attacks, targeting of critical infra- infrastructure, and IT networks, both public and private, that are deemed essential to the functioning of Sweden's economy. Uh, let's see, do I want to go on with this? Significantly, Swedish Prime Minister Ulf Christensen's conservative-leaning coalition government is proposing the establishment of a new ministry that would have joint responsibility for total defenses, two main components of military and civil defense. Uh, the total defense format for Swedish's national security is primed to be modified to conform with the country's future membership of NATO. <clears throat> Uh, Swedish draft, bu- Sweden's draft budget proposal for 2023 includes a provision to increase spending on defense and national security preparedness by $1.23 billion, SEK $13 billion, that's their money, I suppose. In 2023, SDF military equipment and facilities budget, according to the bill, will increase from $7.1 billion to $8.3 billion. And of course, you know, the United States... United States, uh, I think that FY23 and DAA is around, it's right, eight, eight, $817 billion. That's what the United States spends on uh, defense, $817 billion, over $800 billion a year. And these cats are wanting to spend $8.3 billion. I wonder if that's right. It's got to be right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the scope and spending ambition of the 2023 budget is currently the subject of ongoing discussions between Johnson's Military Defense and the Par- Parliamentary Defense Committee, PDC. I'm almost done. So a major component of the talks will be to how to effectively bolster the SDF's procurement capacity to finance and purchase new weapon systems, a consequential issue given the rising cost of associated weapon procurement against the backdrop of a falling krona the Swedish national currency. The government's concerned that a weakening krona will could impair Sweden's defense buildup and ability to achieve the envisioned NATO spending by 2026. Defense committee members are supporting a government policy initiative to bolster defense measures by increasing the SDF's order authorization on new weapon systems by over 2.9 billion beyond 2030 based on the present trajectory. Sweden is proposing to scale up its spending on defense and security preparedness to $12 billion in 2028. 
Sweden allocated 7.3 billion to the budget to that budget line in 2022, equivalent to 1.45% of GDP, highest level since 05. So they're definitely spending more money on defense. They want to get up to 12 billion by 2028. All right, that's it for that. Anyway, again, the theme with uh, European countries, not just European countries, a lot of countries, kind of a reaction to what's going on over there in Eastern Europe, I suppose. We got another Sweden story here. This was from a new site called Military Leak, Breaking Military News and Defense Technology. Military Leak is the name of it. It's a website. I'd never been there before. Um, it's from, this is a story from 26 November, just yesterday. Sweden, Swedish Army receives last Archer 155mm self-propelled howitzer from BAE Systems. BAE Systems. We were just talking about those guys. They make the CV-90, don't they? Uh, the Swedish Defense Material Administration has received the delivery of the its 48th and final Archer 155mm self-propelled howitzer from BAE Systems Bofors. Uh, the Swedish Defense Material Administration is a Swedish government's agency that reports to the Ministry of Defense. I, I suppose they're like the uh, like the defense acquisition for the United States. Uh, the agency is responsible for the supply of materiel, materiel with an E, to the Swedish Defense Organization. Uh, this latest delivery marks the beginning of a new phase and involves the procurement of the Archer C prototype. FMV and BAE have already signed a contract for the development of a new prototype that is expected to feature a fully accredited IT system as well as a new LSS, Mark Tactical Management Support System. So the author here, it says by admin, so I guess the staff wrote it. Gives a good description of the Archer if you forgot. The Archer artillery system is a self-propelled howitzer for Sweden and Norway. The vehicle platform is a modified Volvo A30D 6x6 all-terrain hauler. Operators control the entire gun system in any weather from the safety of armored vehicle cabin, which is fitted with bullet and frag-proof windows. The cabin seats up to four personnel. The howitzer is operated by three or four crew, but can be run by a single operator. Uh, the unit costs $4,500,000 U.S. dollars. Vehicle carries 21 155-millimeter projectiles in a fully automatic magazine. Reloading the magazine from accompanying munitions carry takes about 10 minutes. they got to go back and forth, I'm sure. The modular charge system allows several increments of charge to be available, increases the gun system's multiple rounds, simultaneous impact capability, and a good range overlap between the increments. I think I've seen a video on that. I should find that. I'll write that down. Archer 155. It's amazing to see it in action. Tweet. Maybe I should tweet that. We're still on Twitter, by the way. <clears throat> Moving on. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. With BAEs, Bofors, and extra bonus rounds, the range is 35K or 22 miles. Due to the glide wings on the precision guided Raytheon Bofors M92 Excalibur rounds, the range of the guns extended in excess of 50K or 31 miles. Uh, moving on. In 2019, a new configuration of the Archer with the howitzer mounted on a RMMV H2 8x8 tactical truck was revealed. Interestingly, Sweden ordered a number of H2 trucks in 2014 with deliveries commencing in 2017. Uh, the new Archer system was also tested and validated by the indirect fire 
unit at the T&E site in Carlsberg, Sweden. Indirect fire systems engineer fired between 21 and 65 rounds per shot according to the configuration at these controls. Depending on the configuration at these controls. That's pretty much it. <clears throat> so bottom line is 45. How many? 48 archers have gone to Sweden and they're going to get a new archer, I suppose, or they're in development for a new one. Is there any more Swedish stories? Let me see. Nope, that's it. That's it for Sweden. Uh, we're going to move on to France now. This is an older story, but I found it interesting. Let me pause right here while I pull it up. Yeah, this is an older story from October 19, 19 October from Breaking Defense. Great site. Uh, France reveals the first look at the new nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. From 19 October. So like I said, an old story. I just happened to see it. I don't know where I saw it. But I was like, hmm, aircraft carrier, France. And I wondered how many. First of all, does everybody know where France is? <laughs> uh, I don't have my map up no more. It's near England. And Spain. Anyway, you know where France is. All right, moving on. But anyway, so I was thinking to myself, how many aircraft carriers does France have? Well, they have one. And... Uh, before I get into the story, let's talk about aircraft carriers. So this is from GFP, Strength in Numbers, GlobalFirepower.com. And I was wondering how many countries have aircraft carriers. And there's not that many. I think there's only nine in the world that have aircraft carriers. United States, China, Italy, United Kingdom, France, India, Russia, Spain. Maybe it's only eight. Yeah, it's only eight. So... And there's not that many of them. Spain has one. Russia's got one. India's got one. France has got one. And we're talking about how they're going to replace it here in a second. UK's got two. Italy's got two. China's got two. And the United States, good old USA, has 11 of them. 11. God bless America. 11 aircraft carriers. Anyway, I didn't know that. Did you guys know that? Not that many. So in the whole world, according to... Global firepower, in the world there's only 13, 15, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 aircraft carriers in the whole world, and the U.S. has got 11 of them. All right, moving on to the story. Uh, Francis reveals first look at new nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, known as the known for the time being as the PANG, which is French, I'm sure. Port, I'm going to speak French here, so don't laugh too hard. Porte Avion Nouvelle Generation, and I, I speak speak a touch of Spanish, and I'm guessing that means next generation uh, <laughs> aviation port or next generation airport. I don't know. It's an aircraft. So next generation aircraft carrier, basically. That's why I assume. There's people out there in France that are laughing. Their Never mind. Uh, so this thing's going to weigh 82,673 tons. The ship will be a 1,000 17 feet or 310 meters long and 85 meters wide or 279 feet wide at the widest point of the carrier deck. The French Naval Group has unveiled a scale model of the nuclear-powered all-electric next-generation aircraft carrier, which is to replace the nuclear-powered Charles de Gaulle in 2038. So we're in 2022 now. 2038 is 2032, 16 years away. And these things aren't cheap. I looked at what a Ford, a, the uh, Gerald Ford costs. That sucker's like 15 or 17 
billion dollars for that sucker. In other words, for the whole, we're just talking about Sweden wanting to get up to 18 billion or 17 billion. That's one aircraft carrier right there. We're talking about money here. So anyway, moving on. Uh, let's see. Two nuclear new two nuclear reactors provided by Technic Atome will provide electricity for three shaft drives. For comparison, the largest U.S. aircraft carriers have four shaft drives. Uh, the Atomic Energy Commission will see oversee the execution coordination of the reactors, which will only need to be refueled every ten years. Meaning, at least in theory, the ship could stay at sea the entire time. Um, Still talking about the carrier, the Pang. The Pang will carry 32 next new generation fighters and up to three E2D advanced Hawkeyes. France ordered three in the last days of 2021 for delivery in 2028 and, the no and a number of unmanned aircraft. Uh, this thing is supposed to be built by a joint venture, uh, MO Port Avions. The MO stands for, don't, man, don't get me speaking French. Feel Spanish, I might be okay. Uh, this is a joint venture moving on. I don't want to get into the French names. I'll screw them up. Uh, it's going to be dry docked in a town called uh, Saint-Nazaire on the west coast of France, which is, is big enough to build the Pang. Uh, hmm. The Pang director, this guy, uh, Colonel Philippe, they never give their last names, uh, told Breaking Defense that some of the designs have been has been made to ensure that French and US aircraft carriers remain interoperable. In March this year, a US Navy E two D advanced Hawkeye made its first landing on the Charles de Gaulle in the framework of NATO's enhanced vigilance activities in Romanian Bulgarian airspace. Uh General oh, I'm sorry, Colonel Felipe stressed today that France and the United States are the only two navies in the world operating nuclear carriers with catapults and arresters. So it is vital that they be op interoperable. Uh, French Rafales, which I think is a jet, have also op have also in the past landed and taken off from U.S. aircraft carriers. Uh, there's no French manufacturer of catapults, so the Pang will have U.S.-made electromagnetic ones, like the ones on the Gerald Ford class carriers, which is the the newest U.S. Uh, class, I believe. Uh, the decision to replace the Charles de Gaulle with another nuclear-powered ship was taken by President Emmanuel Macron in December 2020. The design revealed may be tweaked between now and 25 when the design is fixed. The first sea trials are expected to take place in 2036 and the del ship delivered to the Navy in 2037, operational in 2038, at which point the Charles de Gaulle can retire. Let's see. The crew, uh, the Pang will have a crew of 2,000, some of whom will be aircraft engineers, as the Navy wants to be able to undertake the sorts of repairs on board that would normally be done by a manufacturer. And that's pretty much it. New aircraft carrier next uh, in the next decade plus for France, for Francais, Frances. I think that's how you say it, Spanish, Frances. All right, that's it. I got one more story, another international story, and this is kind of a Twitter story. I am on Twitter, or we are on Twitter. I, we, at Defense underscore podcast, if you can find the time, check us out. Not as active as we usually are, but I'm kind of active kind of on the comment section. Anyway, I get a lot of my good stories from Twitter. 
That's why I say Twitter's not bad. There's a lot of good stuff on it. But the problem is you got to go through a bunch of nonsense to get to it. So there was a, uh, a, a Twitter site called JATOSINT. J-A-T-O-S-I-N-T. It's an Indonesian security and defense related OSINT. Whatever that means. Uh, tweets in English and Indonesian. So it's Indonesian. It's kind of a defense site. Stuff that I'm into. Stuff you're into. And they got some good stuff. It's some of it I can't read because it's in Indonesian, I suppose, whatever language that is. I know I'm make myself sound ignorant. Um, moving on. But they had this one tweet from November 26th. And I should retweet it. I'll retweet it. Retweet. And... Um, It's got, it's, uh, the title of the tweet is Indonesian Navy Marine Corps recruits went through famous Doppler exercise. And it's just a, I don't know how long the video is, 35 second video of these soldiers in the tower. And there's a one, two, three, four, five. There's like a six lane low crawl course. Think of, you know, basic training army. And these soldiers are crawling forward in the mud. How many lanes are there? One, two, three, four. There's five lanes. And these soldiers are behind them in a tower. And they're firing live ammunition at them. It looks like AKs. And they've got the banana magazine of the AK against the railing of the tower. And they're just firing. And if you look closely, there are five lanes. But in between the lanes are these trenches. And the trenches look like they're about a foot deep. And that's where the soldiers in the uh, tower are firing. They're firing in the trenches that run parallel to the to the lane that the soldiers are in. The soldiers have got their standard kit on, they got their helmets, they got their rifles. And they're not doing a high crawl, they're not doing a low crawl, they're doing kind of something in between. And at the end of the lane, the lane looks like it's about a fifty meters. It doesn't look that long. And at the end of it is it looks like a bunch of sandbags and then there's some targets up. The targets are super close, maybe 10 meters. So the idea is that they low crawl or crawl down this lane. They get to the sandbags and then they engage the targets. And at first glance, you're like, what the heck's going on? But as you look closer at the video, they're actually shooting in the trench that's on the left and the right uh, of the soldiers that are crawling. And it kind of took me aback the first time I saw it. But the more I, the more I look at it, the more I think... I mean, I see what they're trying to accomplish. I think it's pretty high risk. It's very risky, actually. Um, but I don't know what to make of it. And at the end of the video, that most of the soldiers have reached the, the sandbags and they're engaging the, the targets. But anyway, take 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 a look if you want. It's uh, <laughs> there. It's Jasso, Jadosent, and their Twitter handle is at Jadosent. That's it, at Jadosent. J-A-T-O-S-I-N-T. Anyway, check it out. That's it. 31 minutes. Not bad. Uh, so this is like an all-international episode. A couple stories about Sweden. One about Czech Republic. One about France. Frances. Frances. And one from Indonesia. I like doing the international stories. You know, I got a, I got an email from... I have this podcast. A little pulling the curtain back a touch. I have a podcast provider. It's called uh, Buzzsprout. They're the ones that... I do the episode, upload to their server or whatever, and they kick it out to to whoever 
wherever you get your podcasts, like uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever. That's it. This company called Buzzsprout kicks it out to them. I pay them. I don't know what I pay them. Not much, but I pay them a little bit each month to do that. Anyway, they sent me an email saying that uh, uh, two-thirds of all of the listeners of this podcast are from the United States, and one-third are, are international. Anyway, and I, I, I kind of like that. I was like, wow, one-third of the listeners are international. So if you're an international listener, uh, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the content. That's why... I, Kind of motivating me to do all this international story today was the fact that we have a lot of international listeners. So I'll keep trying to do some international stories. And then, of course, the listeners in the good old USA, I appreciate your support too. And if you're a long-time listener, uh, thank you for coming back. And if you're a first-time listener, thank you for coming and come back if you want. If not, it's okay too. All right, that's it. 32 minutes, 58 seconds. Episode 72 is in the books. Thank you very much and good night.